Welcome to Empowered Conversations. I'm your host, Susie Petrozzi. This podcast will take you on a journey of personal growth and self-discovery through conversations with special guests that will inspire you to live the life of your dreams. Get ready now for an Empowered Conversation. Hello and welcome to Empowered Conversation, another incredible episode with um, a really beautiful speaker. Been blessed to have, you know, so many amazing speakers on this show. Um, and I, you know, what I, when I con- continue to learn from this is that when we speak our truth, when we when we show up, when we live our life from that place of presence, we are given what we need. We continually are guided in terms of, you know, well, let's say just with this show, who next, who's the right speaker, um, who needs to share their message? And I really do ask those questions. And I was pointed, I was called to um, share Manu. Um, I'm incredibly um, honored to have her. I've known Sher for over 10 years now um, through our mother's group. I was blessed to meet her, um, to have met Sher when I had my first um, baby um, over 11 years now. Lara's about to turn 11. So um, the same would be, of course, with um, Sher's older boy. And we, you know, embarking on that journey together is really special and sacred. And we've had many, many incredible moments of, um, of sharing from, from challenges, from difficulties around that time. Certainly a lot of laughter, especially now we can laugh back on some of those moments. Don't we, don't we, um, as parents tend to do that? I mean, it helps us put, um, things into perspective. Um, what I want to share with you about Sher is that she's currently, well, she has been living for quite a number of years now in Byron Bay. She's, um, she moved her family there um, uh, over 10 years ago and she is maybe, maybe less. She's, um, she's a freelance choreographer and has been immersed in that field for more ever since she was a little girl. Um, more so dancing choreography is something that she began in her early teens and she is really gifted at telling a story through movement and music and, and, um, and this, you know, physical expression. So when you see her work, you really are touched and taken to some deeper places that, that also evokes something, of course, inside of you, as a lot of art does that to us. Um, so she's, she's been, um, she's collaborated on some incredible projects over the years, traveled overseas, worked for, um, you know, really showcasing, um, extraordinary projects, certainly on TV and, um, overseas. Um, and I wanted to talk to Sher about speaking out truth today, really diving deeper into that, especially given the times that we're living in, given the, um, often, um, divide that may come up in, in our lives between our opinion, between what we feel and, and someone else's. So, um, look, without further ado, sure. Welcome. And thank you so much for taking the time out to, um, to join us for the conversation. (laughs) Thank you, Susie, for such a beautiful, heartening, opening to our conversation. It's uh, it's an absolute honour to be able to share this time with you. So sure, why don't we dive in and um, really start with how you began on your journey. Um, certainly, 
perhaps if we start with your um, choreography journey and let's see where that takes takes us. Oh, sure. Um, well, from a very young age, I started, you know, like every little girl got enrolled into dance class or I, most most little little girls want to do dancing and um, my mum popped me in a dance class and it just became such a escape for me at the dance studio from from life outside. It became the place to meet family and friends. Yeah, they, my friends there became my family and I would end up at the dance um, studio, you know, mostly every day for years and years studying um, jazz, tap mostly, song and dance. But um, I was I was very fortunate to um, be taught by a few very creative people who then helped to scope my path as a choreographer in the area of just being a little bit brave in, in respect to the work, taking risks and stepping out of the box a little bit. So, um, yeah, from, a, from quite a young age, actually, nine and ten, I was given opportunities to work with little tiny tots and start choreographing, which was so much fun as a ten-year-old feeling like a big uh, teacher to these little tiny tots was a big responsibility that I really thrived on. But, um, yeah, I never actually felt this strong calling to become a professional dancer myself. I also didn't have a lot of natural um, ability as a dancer. Even though I was fairly good, I didn't have these beautiful legs and feet that a lot of the dancers um, to become professionals do have. Uh, but I was very interested in the creative process. So any opportunity I had to be choreographing and and teaching is where I really felt my skills and passion lied more than actually dancing myself. So that then led me to, um, in my early 20s, opening my own studio with um, the support of family, which was incredible. And I look at that as my university for 10 years. Um, Yeah, having the privilege to work with um, these beautiful students over this long period of time and, and really developing my craft. So I'm so grateful for that 10, 10 years of university um, in my mind. That's how I look at it. It felt very much like on the job training and uh, I learned so many invaluable skills in that time. I love how you how you look at that part of your life as university, you know, um, which goes back to my early point when I was introducing you, always open to learning um, and more so now I imagine because, you know, you're a parent, you're more, you're a more conscious person and you really do want to continue learning. Now, I want to go back to that time in certainly in Sydney because when, uh, so you continue doing your work and then you had um, your first child, Ari, um, and I around that time, of course, as parents, we start to think about the future and it's certainly something that you were thinking about and you made the decision to move to Byron. Byron is one of those places that really opens you up. How have you grown? What have you continued to learn through your immersion in, you know, in that environment? Yes, there's no hiding up here from whatever, you know, triggers you have. They certainly all get uh, pulled apart and exposed. 
I feel like the call to come to Byron was very strong and clear. I can't say that I've had that call in my life for many things, but when I reflect, it's always been the most significant things that I've done in my life that have felt so clear and strong. Um, I particularly was drawn to Byron because of the uh, Steiner School here. Uh, I was really, um, school for me as a child was not such a, um, I, I don't have memories of it being enriching. I have memories of it being social and okay, but I don't, um, yeah, I really wanted to try and provide a, an education for Ari at that point. I didn't have my second child then, but for to have a really colourful, creative education. And from my research, um, I found that Steiner Education really brings that. It, it, it taps right into the creative um, lights within the child and also um, educates the child in a very age development appropriate manner and, 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 and very holistic education. So it was that was a very strong calling and um, Scott, Ari's dad, also felt um, strongly around that too. So we just moved up here and I put his name down um, on the list and uh, luckily, yes, he did, he did get into the school and the education is a real gift, I feel, for our family and for... Yeah, and for, for anybody lucky enough to be able to to have that education. And it doesn't even have to be Steiner education, but just an education where there's more room for autonomy and creativity and critical thinking. Um, so that was uh, that was really the impulse that, that that took took me to Byron. And also just the sense of trying to connect with other like minded tribe community that shared um, values and and an ethos around how to how to live um, in a way that was connected to nature as much as possible, connected to um, the season, honouring the spiritual realm. I felt that there are definitely many people in Sydney, but to have it condensed into one area is, is very unique. And I, I couldn't see anywhere else on the map who had those two things that I wanted, that sense of kindred community spirit um, and this Steiner education. So that's what, uh, that was what really drew, drew my decision to come here. Yeah. And um, from what, yeah, so. I was just going to say from what I know, and I don't know as much as I'd like to know, but um, the original people of Australia, um, from what I know, used to come to Byron quite a lot, um, but only for small periods of time to be able to um, meet and work through any transition that they needed to because um, there's this rock here called obsidian that a lot of the northern rivers is, is um, yeah, it, it, it is based um, here, this rock. I, I don't know all the terminology, but uh, obsidian apparently is the rock of transformation. So, yeah, it, it, and you feel that, and, and you and I have spoken about that in the past, how it really feels like there's nowhere to hide here from your own shadows and what comes up. 
That's so powerful, Sher, because that's, um, you know, from what you're sharing, there's more of a conscious inner work that has been happening for you, certainly through um, um, through the children's um, exposure to Steiner. Steiner has so much to offer over and beyond um, mainstream education, of course. Um, and, you know, you've you've continued to implement that in your day-to-day life, but also with um, um, continuing that with your kids and some of those things you share are beautiful. Unfortunately, in the, in the, in the cities, this can often get lost and, um, and we don't have the time to notice some of those things um, or to even honor some of those things. Mm. Whoa. Um. Well, I feel like it hit it 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 was almost like something that started small, just little little signs of um I, I don't I don't like to say waking up, but little signs of tuning in more, of more awareness around my actions in the world, my thoughts, um, my stories that have been playing out for these years just more attunement to that and then with this community around me calling me on it in in the greatest ways whether or not it's the playgroup teacher when you're there making bread together with a you know a slight comment or passing of information that way or whether or not it's someone at the farmer's market that you bump into that um you know, may have something to say in a way that calls you on something else, another one of your triggers. But just, and I know we can find that anywhere if we're awake to it and looking for it. But here it felt stronger. And I think it also aligned with my age of being around 37 at that point, moving here, um, coming up to that change in, in, in uh, you know, that 40 year old kind of change. Um, and just, just then just the, the community itself working with, um, people who work with anthroposophy, which is, um, Steiner's work. Um, so looking deeper into that spiritual connection, um, of how you incorporate, um, and integrate the spiritual life into your days. One, one example would be that, you know, I don't feel like we ever really acknowledge the seasons. And even though here in Byron it's, it's semi-tropical and we don't really feel them as dramatic as other places in Australia, we I still attune to the seasons more um, because through the Steiner education. You know, we would make a little seasonal table and collect things from nature and, and place place those things on the table so that there'd be an acknowledgement of, of what season you were saying goodbye to and what season you were coming into. Um, so I think it wasn't one or two things, but it was almost like this slow um, awakening or taking off layers so that I, you know, really getting to know the, the, the me underneath all the masks and the stories. Sure. What else do you continue to learn um, through your, um, you know, exposure to Steiner? How is your life continuing to be impacted? 
Oh, it's just showing me the simple pleasures again. Like I didn't realize that just by walking with your children and collecting a few beautiful autumn leaves or shells on the beach and then placing them somewhere in an honoring way and giving reverence to that little part of your home that you've now created as a little seasonal nature table could bring so much warmth. Um, and, and little things like lighting a beautiful beeswax candle and saying a verse before each meal. I mean, these were things that I didn't grow up with, but that feels so enriching. And they're simple things that um, perhaps I would have incorporated not moving here, but I feel like there's been, because of the, um, the Steiner education, really honouring and, and having reverence for nature and reverence for the seasons. And that just awakened that part of me. And um, and I'm so grateful for that. And, and I'm so grateful that the children, you know, as, as much as now they're, they're perhaps outgrowing it a little bit, um, but it's still, I still believe right up until their teens, they'll still appreciate the fact that we are, we have that little space in the house and that, yeah, I'm sure they'll miss the table if it doesn't uh, get made one season, one year. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like it hasn't, you know, and of course I'm still learning every day. There's no end to this. Um, so I'm just feel like perhaps you've, you've made a, a really relevant point within the cities, perhaps there's not enough slowing down to notice what's around us. Um, sure. As I listen to you, um, I, I can't help but think how much um, this kind of life, this um, conscious choice to lead this life has helped you to um, connect more to yourself, you know, through connecting to um, the seasons, um, um, through the children's own schooling where their autonomy, their creativity is treasured, encouraged, that it's helped you as a parent and do that right um having that downtime because i you know i imagine in, in again in cities where hello i'm you know i'm part of I'm, i don't need to imagine i i'm living this life that slowing down and creating that spaciousness to just be is a challenge at times so um if i don't have that challenge if, if i don't if i can't be in that spaciousness how can i give that to my kids um so tell me a little bit more you know going back to that question around how has it helped you you to reconnect with yourself, to know yourself? I want to know more about that. It's a great question. Um, I, I feel like it, it has just made me more connected to firstly my spirit, the spirit side of my physical being um, and something in anthroposophy that um, – uh, people suggest to do for young children is something simple as a lemon foot bath. And, and I'm just, just mentioning this because it's so grounding and it really is something that especially the younger years of children, but, you know, they, they suggest it right up until even adulthood, which is, you know, I, I give myself a treat every now and again, not as often as I should, but, um, and, and it's just simply the place the children's feet in a warm lemon foot bath and and maybe just read a quiet story when they get home from school and just the groundingness and just coming back to bringing them back into their centre after a big day at school of having a lot of outward energy 
um, a, a lot of busy minds, a lot of, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of, um, yeah, like heady. So just to bring them home and, and place them in a lemon foot bath is so grounding and so nourishing. Um, and, you know, it reminds me to actually try and do it a little bit more because, and, and I particularly like to do it as it's cooling, as the weather gets cool. But that's just something, one little kind of treatment. But it also, um, I've always had a, a real interest in natural healing anyway, but coming here again, it's so supported here and there's so many incredible therapists that access all in one um, you know, little bubble as we call it, the Byron bubble, but, you know, homeopathy and herbs and just, you know, something that comes to mind is that when my children used to get fevers or when Ari got fevers when he was young, until I really came and, and understood what a fever does for a child and the importance of it and it shows that their immune system is working, you know, I would get really nervous and, 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 you know, um, potentially use Panadol when, when, when Ari was very young, but just giving me confidence to build up my toolkit to actually really look at my child, really watch him as that, use that motherly intuition, really watch, tune into, um, tune into him, not into the fear around the number on a, on a thermometer, but really the homeopathy uh, uh, therapists here that I've worked with, the homeopaths have very much taught me to trust to that in myself as, as his mother. And that's been very powerful. And to have my own little homeopathic kit, and it's not to say that we never use other things, but it's just another expansion on um, being able to naturally look at, at at what the child is needing rather than just try and make whatever is presenting go away as quick as possible. And it's very empowering as a mother to stand in that. And that's seen from, you know, from many incredible people here in this community teaching me and me being open to learning, of course. Um, so that's just something that really comes to mind for me about being here on that level of self-care for the children or that, that you know, yeah, the, the level of empowering ourselves as parents to have these things in our toolkit to use and to trust ourselves. You know, we I feel like more and more we're being, that's being taken away from us. With We have to hand our power over to an expert who usually is a doctor or um, someone outside of ourselves rather than actually really learning to tune into our children and really watch them. Um, my homeopath would often ask me questions about my child that would throw me. And I, and it's because I realised I wasn't deeply watching him enough. That is so incredible to hear you share that, um, sure, how – um, you're learning to to be with your child first, to to not be always reactive to what's going on. And certainly I think this is a lesson for us all, not just, you know, in relation to our children, certainly of course if we're parents, but in relation to what is going on, can we can we bear witness a little bit more of um, you know, what is it that's needed here? Is it do I make have to make this go away? And oftentimes that's what we're responding to, right? Um, and I, and I'm, you know, what comes to mind is, well, if I can't, 
if I can't be with what's going on, then we really need to do some more work around learning how to be with ourselves so that we can really be with what comes up in our lives, whether it be, you know, with our kids, symptoms, things that occur, whether it be some other challenge, um, whatever that is. So me hearing that is like, you know, it certainly touches something deeper within me around um, how we can continue to learn from this. I feel like the watching isn't just looking on the surface, but looking on a deeper level of um, what's behind what's happening. So, for example, when they have it and they're very hot and they have a temperature, are they actually just happy to play quietly and potter around? Are you creating a space for them just to be able to be with that? And it doesn't mean you allow them to suffer. But are they suffering or are they actually hot? You've taken their temperature and you realise they're hot. But are in themselves, are they happy to drink water? Are they happy just to still sit and have a book and potter around with their toys? Or are they absolutely, you know, needing to sleep and lay down and they, they don't want to have drinks? And, you know, so deeply watching how affected they actually are. And, or is, is nature just actually doing its, its incredible, you know, wisdom and giving them that fever so they can work through whatever they're trying to burn off? And often what I've found in my experience is, you know, if you hold space for them in a beautiful way to be able to just be with that, the next day they have moved through it and they're real resilient for it. They've got something has shifted in them the next day they've grown more forces they've become more vital because they actually got to be with that fever and and the parent held space with them yeah and I'm not advising like it has to be something that as a parent we attune into our child and only we know only we know and sure, you're not saying that, you know, let, me, let, let us just, let me just be clear here. When you say watching, you're not watching and not listening to yourself as a parent um, to what the needs may be. In fact, you are incredibly in, attuned to your needs as a parent through watching, you know, as you watch, as you're present then, you can be more attuned, keep saying that word, but to what their needs are. Absolutely. I mean, aren't they always our teachers, really? On, on the deepest level, they are, I believe, they are here to teach us how to absolutely reconnect to our truth. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, you know, we have to be present to that. We have to be present to receive that learning and to, to yeah, to reduce the noise. How can we learn in noise? How can we learn in not really deeply feeling what we're feeling? And um, our kids, certainly my kids, will amp up the volume when I'm not learning. When I'm suppressing something, they will express it, and that's what I continue to learn. And and not to be listening to these stories that play out that we've accumulated over our years for our survival so what we think is our survival, but actually is to our detriment. 
So now that we're talking about um, speaking our truth, you know, we, we've touched on that many times. Tell me a little bit about how that is continuing to evolve in your life. You're certainly hearing that call much louder. Um, you're acting on that. Um, and in fact, it's hard for you, I, I think, particularly for, um, for, for women at this point in time and at, at this age, I feel like that truth is really knocking on our doors. Um, tell me a little bit about that for you. Well, I actually feel that I'm not sure if it is now an age, but again, I think every age have it, has its stage depending on what where, where you're at. For example, the 28 to 29 being that Saturn return where often something 28 to 30 big can occur in your life. Um, at that point for me is when I ended up moving overseas and um, spreading my wings a little bit. Um, and... I feel like now this kind of coming into um, later 40s feels like um, well, I'll be 47 this year. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Don't have any problem saying my age. But I feel like there's something um, that I'm very grateful for, and that is that I actually just want to try and cultivate speaking my truth and living my truth. And it and and it's something that feels so um, the calling so strong at the moment to do so, um, particularly with how things um, are being challenged every day, often in this other reality that we live in, not our spiritual or or our home reality within our soul and ourselves, but this outside reality system that we do live in, and how that's being challenged every day challenging us, do we want to put on the mask and, and, and stand on the cross and do, get the vaccine and do these things that the government's asking us to do? How do we actually feel about that if we stop and we listen to ourselves? How does that make us feel deeply inside? So without getting caught in the fear, but actually just really attuning to yourself and your truth and your sovereignty and your own inner freedom that you were born with and that you will, will, will die with. So it's actually probably the strongest time for me in feeling this, this urge to um, stand in my truth in what feels absolutely true for me right now. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and perhaps that is a, it, 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 it. I mean, there's no perhaps. It's all a part of where I'm exactly as we all are, where we're supposed to be on our timeline, on our journey, um, and just feeling this immense gratitude for being here. And and you know, I spent many years, like many of us do, fearing to actually say what I feel because I might be ridiculed, I might be laughed at, someone might not accept me anymore. And how would that feel if that friend didn't like me anymore because I believe this? And I feel this sense of, yeah, really empowering detachment from that fear now of of, um, being worried or concerned about, about what others think. And not in a sense of I don't want to respect other people, actually quite the opposite. Um, but respecting myself first and standing by myself and my belief then allows me to continue to obviously respect other people as well and other people's beliefs. And um, yeah, and it's an ongoing 
it's an ongoing striving. That's incredible, I'm sure. I keep saying that, but um, I'm really feeling empowered listening to your own journey, you know, particularly that sense of detachment from, um, you know, from something that has us worried um, or, or fear. I mean, wow, you know, that is such a what, – what, what a point to be in life to come to a place of detachment that is liberating or at least to have more and more of it. It's not like I've reached it and I'm like, woohoo, I'm there. It only took 47 years, but it's an everyday chipping away. We get up and we try again. And, um, uh, yeah, look, as you're continuing to, you know, as you've continued to share this with me, here's something that I want to um uh, speak about more. You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about and have been studying, um, studying, thinking about, trying to understand, learn myself is this concept of dialectic. Dialectic being this idea that um, how can, the way that I understand it, how can two opposing truths coexist at the same time? So how can my different opinion exist with your different opinion in the way that neither has to be denied in order for that one to exist. And one of the, um, one of the things about dialectics is that when we can allow these two opposing things to coexist, this is more the Eastern philosophy approach. When we allow two, um, uh, opposing truths to coexist at the same time, then we allow this other third truth to emerge from that. When we can hold the two differences, right, two opposing views, um, kind of like yin and yang, that we can create another whole. And, you know, when I hear you say that, share what you've shared so far around your own journey with speaking your truth, respecting yourself first, well, you know, I just think we're in a world where we truly need to be doing uh, more of this. I mean, need to. We're all at a different point of journey, as you were saying that. Tell me a little bit about that more from what you're observing and um, let's speak to that because I feel that generally as a humanity, this is what we're being called to do. Um, What's your sense about that? That's really beautiful. Yeah, that's really beautiful, Susie. And I think that there's a lot of that happening in our world right now. I mean, I speak to people nearly every day who are having these conflicts with their family and friends over beliefs around um, everything that's that's presented to us in the world right now around um, COVID and um, the narrative around it. And, you know, some people, you know, there's so many different differences of opinions and it it is true our work I think as a collective consciousness is to um, not get tangled in all of that and just come together with love in love come together without these um, you know in the end they are all our own personal beliefs and opinions and um, I think that is that is going to be the big work of, of the next chapter of our consciousness collectively and I know that for me personally I'm, I'm working with that in myself um, because I'm feeling so strong about my beliefs I feel um, that in my nature I need to be I'm trying to be very mindful to keep my heart open and keep my compassion open for all of us as human beings as a collective and 
you know, um, and I get caught up in my story too every day. You know, something may trigger me here or there. Um, and yeah, it's my, it's, it's still my work. I'm still not, you know, um, there, but it is a beautiful, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful striving to have that united love, um, picture to work towards. Mm. Because in the end we are, we all want to be free and loving human beings. We all have those innate needs as human beings. Um, I think this is a little bit of a rocky time, but I feel like we will, we will come through it. And I'm putting my focus more now on, on kind of focusing on the co-creating the reality that, that I hope for us to have as humans rather than the fear of, of what's presenting and what I'm afraid of, but more focusing on bringing that light in of how I would love my ideal world to be um, and, you know, really trying to, to focus on that co-creation rather than the fear of, of what, what I can't control and supporting each other as much as we can in community to be able to hold space for each other's beliefs, opinions on things, um, yes, without forcing our own on the other. Um, and and I think that's what's what, what what's happening with all of us at this moment. And I'm, I'm I honestly hear stories every day about people who are, you know, um, yeah, who are working with this within their own little network of family and friends. Um, and the divisiveness, divisiveness that can, that is playing out, unfortunately. But I am, um, I'm holding this hope and, and love that, um, we can, we can work through it as, as human collective. Yes. And co-create what, what we really hope to have moving forward for our children, their children. That was a long answer. <laughs> Oh sure, that was a that was such a deep and beautiful answer to, um, yeah, what is going on and and what what threads do we focus on? Um, there are so many things happening, and we we need to take responsibility to be really conscious around what you know where we're choosing to focus on. How is that serving us? And um, you know what can we do with that? Who do we become when we believe certain things? Um, you know, that's something that stayed with me from Byron Katie's work, you know, who do you become when you believe this? So I, I love what you share because it really touches something in me around what I believe deeply, but it's also, a, it's not even a belief. It's a sense of knowing that this is what we need to do. We need to do this for um, our kids, you know, our kids to come, our children now and, and, and kids um, that are coming into this world. I mean, there's certainly highly evolved beings and um, there's a sense of responsibility to them in terms of what we're leaving, what kind of way are we paving for them to continue doing the work? Oh, we do. Resonate with everything you've just said, absolutely. And, and, you know, this also takes me to having a vision of – um, 
needing to have a vision of how we want to see the world, needing to have a vision of um, what kind of a place we want to leave behind when we're gone. You know, I mean, I remember doing some of this work with a client who really couldn't connect with what I was saying because of where they were at. It was almost, um, well, it was, the conversation was, well, what's the point? I don't understand that. You know, it's not realistic. Well, if we all look at things like that, um, it's not realistic because look at where the world is, but what can you do on a single um, level? What can you as an individual do daily to help create some kind of a ripple towards the vision that you want? Because really that's what that's about. If we don't embody that vision, hey, you know, what hope do we have? So I think that there's a responsibility of having some kind of a vision, having a vision and knowing what that vision is, being very clear with yourself. It's okay if it changes. Of course, it's going to change as we evolve and grow. Um, But yeah, maybe if you can share a little bit more about about that and your vision, (laughs) um, your work around this. The vision is, that is what what we have that is what that is what as you say like what drives you it's what gets you out in on the field each day is to is to have this vision of and it doesn't mean it's a vision that's in the future it's just almost like um a a vision a daily vision of how you what's important to you what do you value in your day for me it's so important to be with nature every day even if it means a 15 20 minute beach walk or a long leisurely lighthouse walk or a swim in the ocean or just sitting in the backyard and listening to the birds for five ten minutes with nothing no phone no anything and just coming home to yourself and I think we don't need much our human bodies are are incredible our our it doesn't ask for much of that. That's what I find even putting my legs up the wall in the house, laying down and having my legs up the wall for five, ten minutes, my body feels rejuvenated and renewed just from these little crumbs that we throw ourselves from, you know, as mothers when we're burning the candle at both ends and, you know, and those little things of, of a daily connection with our children are deep where they really feel seen and loved um, for who they are. That's something that I also really value and it's important to me each day, eating healthy, um, eating nutritious, healthy food, laughing with a friend, supporting someone if possible, even if that means carrying their shopping to the car, which takes two minutes if you've got a free hand and they're struggling. Those little acts of daily kindness in, in you know, those things for me, they all make up at the end of the day when I go to sleep. Those things for me are, are really what I value and that's what makes me feel like I have lived a day of love. And it's not to say every day is like that, but just to have an intention to try and um, be of service to myself and to my fellow humans and in some way, whether it's you know a big way where you take your friend's children for the afternoon or a small way where you you know, might might carry someone shopping or... But they're just that little daily intentions to have um, to, to to contribute to that big vision picture of, of how you want to live each day and then moving forward, how you want that bigger picture to look for you. 
Sure. Um, that is so inspiring, but also um, very practical what you're sharing. You know, I can see these, um, I can see these by the way that you live your life. Um, you know, you're not aiming for perfection. And in fact, you know, you're one of those people that always does speak to that which um, you are working on in yourself. Um, and you, you're always naming that. And I guess because you certainly want to learn about that. So um, you feel you, you'll share that part of you and of course you'll share it in, in a circle of friends where you feel safe to do so and um, and that's the time when you really ought to be doing that but um, I can see how you're impacting um, uh, I guess how through your own truth speaking through your own belief in your vision or that sense of knowing that this is not who we are we're not these you know d divisive kind of beings that are here to hate each other but that we're here to really love respect honor be patient understanding and you do that in such small ways and I can see how um through you know through knowing you you're um impacting your the world around you it's such small but powerful um powerful ways you know from you particularly yourself you know you've talked about taking responsibility for yourself honoring yourself being honest with yourself speaking your truth and really that's the first place that we each need to start if we want to live this kind of life life of integrity life of um um, you know, honoring our own truth. Well, it's going to start with us. I mean, yes, we have teachers in so many different shapes and forms, but if we're always focusing on those on the outside and not us, um, what chance do we then have? We have a chance, but it's going to take a lot, um, slower. So I want to acknowledge you. You've been an, you know, certainly an incredible teacher in my life and you continue to be that. Um, acknowledge you for the work that you continue to do, um, in your life or, um, you know, the, the service that you put out every day. So thank you, sure. Oh, that's very, very kind of you to say and share Susie. And I honestly feel, you know, um, not to get all too sentimental, but I feel, um, we're kindred spirits. So I feel very honored to know you. And I feel like just by knowing you and having this authentic connection, and even though we've only known each other 10 years and we don't get to share a lot of time together, I feel like just that authenticity and that acceptance for each other of allowing each other to actually be true with each other. And if anyone gets the opportunity to have a friendship like that, and I'm very grateful that I have a few of those where we can go deep, we can go to these places and still feel accepted and and um and loved and um yeah i feel very grateful for that so thank you too thanks for joining me today on empowered conversations subscribe to the show now and then head over to my facebook page Susie petrozzi for free personal growth and self-discovery tools that you can use today to be present be powerful and be on purpose see you next time for empowered conversations mm -hmm.